Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Really excited to to lean into what God has for us today. Listen, if you're a first-time guest with us in the room, so glad you're here. Again, my name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us. No matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. It's our desire here, our mission here at City Church is to help people find their way to God from where they are. So that means no matter where you're walking in, our desire is to meet you where you are and help you take some next steps in your spiritual journey hopefully introducing you to Jesus at some point. And so really excited for today. I got a couple of quick announcements for you. Uh, we had to do the video of Maddie, one of our staff members, for your MC moment today because right now she's running the boulder-thon. Let's go. Anybody get stuck? Anybody get stuck in the traffic on the way here or rather the in-access point over on J? Uh, Seth, one of our other staff members, he was like, man, we should have rec- like put a camera on Maddie while she was running and let her do like a live feed from the boulder-thon. So... Um, Way to go, her. <laughs> That's not for me. That's not for me. Um, all right, a couple of quick announcements. Number one, uh, really excited for our 24-7 prayer room. Who's pumped about it? Yes. That is, that's not bad for, you know, a couple of weeks in. Um, so our 24-7 prayer room is kicking off on 10-15. You are getting a card on the way out the door with a QR link. It's on all of our social media platforms. It's on our website. We are doing a one-week, night-and-day, non-stop, 24-7 prayer room because prayer is more practice than theory, meaning we've been in six, almost seven weeks of this series through Teach Us to Pray, and the focus is not let's l- learn more about prayer, but how how do we become people of prayer? And so uh, I think it's Spurgeon that said that you learn to pray by praying. It's one of those things that as we practice it, we begin to learn what it means to have a relationship with God and talking to him. And so we are starting this 24-7 prayer room, 168 hours of straight, non-stop prayer. It launches on 10-15, that Sunday right after our gathering, and it'll end that following Sunday. You're going to sign up for an hour time slot throughout the week at any time. I heard those 2 a.m., 3 a.m. time slots are the sweet spot. That's when God is most awake. So uh, that's a joke in case you don't get my sarcasm. But anyway, um, listen, we're at like 26% of those slots being filled so far. The goal is that our church commits. We're asking every single person that, that calls City Church home, if you're a guest as well, bring friends, whatever. We're asking every single person to sign up for at least one hour of prayer at least one hour of prayer. And again, you can go back uh, to two weeks ago when I talked about uh, on earth as it is in heaven, you can go get that podcast or on our YouTube channel. And I gave a vision around the 24-7 prayer room, kind of the walkthrough, what it's gonna feel like. And so don't think you're sitting in a room alone for an hour. It's gonna be this really creative room that our team is putting together. It's got six stations that you walk through. It's incredibly interactive. You get to graffiti on the walls and, and all kinds of really cool stuff that you get to do as you pray to help you stay engaged. Also, it's a great space not only to go by yourself, which I highly recommend that you go by yourself at least once, but also you go with a friend. If you're in a city group, all of our city groups have committed to going in their normal gathering time slot, like my group meets Monday nights 
at, uh, from like 6.30 to 8. So from 7 to 8 p.m., instead of gathering in my home that week, we're going to come up here and our entire group is going to be in the prayer room praying together for an hour. So if you're in a city group, that's the practice for them that week. But again, don't miss the moment to take advantage of and come for more than an hour throughout the week. In fact, there's something really special about uh, as you come in on a Sunday or Monday and you start to see the wall fill up with all these prayers, everything from asking prayer to seeing our friends and family who are far from God come to know him to uh, um, daily bread prayers, all this stuff on the wall. And then as it progresses throughout the week, you start to watch prayers get answered. And if, and if you come in on a Monday and you come back in on a Thursday and God has answered a prayer since then, then our team's given you like this giant white marker and you just get to like circle it, answer prayer. And so over the week, you get to like watch God do and work in and through you. So I just want to encourage you in that. We've got people going, you know, with a buddy, with teams, whatever. It doesn't really matter. That you go at least one hour is the encouragement. You guys tracking with me? banging it like we're hitting this bell over and over again and we're at 26 percent i know this is one of those interesting things that you can't just like willy-nilly sign up willy-nilly is that people say that anymore <laughs> my grandmother said that it's all good which is what i got today you can't just like you know casually sign up for it because you need to know your schedule and your availability right but you can take your lunch break and come pray you can you know get the kids to bed i mean danielle and i i'm not, like one of us is going to go and pray while the other other's watching kids and vice versa and so whatever you're doing we're going as a family together one time and letting our kids interact with it and begin to pray and so again just tons of permission and creativity in the space we just want to encourage you to begin to move in that direction again you're going to get the qr code on the way out but it's also on our website super easy to sign up all the instructions come to you once you get the email once you arrive in person it's here at our facility then uh, you get a packet that walks you through it all it's going to be super amazing but again we're confident uh, by the way i did the math Every week, we have a prayer gathering uh, right before our service at 945. So for 15 minutes, our, our church gathers together. If you're on a serving team, they gather together to pray over you, and we get together and pray for 15 minutes. So City Church launched four years ago, 2019 of March. And uh, to date, we've got roughly, we've clocked like 50, it was like 50 and some change hours of prayer total through that time. So in this one week, we are going to triple the amount of time that our church has ever prayed together in a simple seven days. Isn't that amazing? So we're going to pray more in one week than we've prayed since the birth of our church. So way to go. That's not happening without you, okay? It's not my full-time job to come up here and pray. We all get to be a part of this together. So I'm super pumped about it. You guys tracking with me? Everybody feel good about it? Awesome. All right, number two, Halloween community night is coming up at the end of the month, October 27th. So we throw these periodic community nights throughout the year. Again, they're, they're kind of this intentional third space that we create for you to invite your friends, your family, your coworkers, people far from God, wherever they are on their spiritual journey, they are intentionally built to empower you, to invite people that might not ever come to church with you, wouldn't ever come to a city group with you. So normally we rent out like a local bar down the street, like Boko Cider or something like that. Drinks are on the house. Child care is free, all that stuff. This time for Halloween, one, the turnout's a, a lot larger, and so we end up doing it here at our facility. There is a huge costume contest. Don't try too hard because my family's probably going to win, but try a little bit, okay? And, and so there's awesome, I mean, families, friends, coworkers, it's awesome. So you come dressed up. You don't have to, like, you can still come if you don't dress up, but dress up. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's more fun if you dress up. Um, Charles, I think I just saw him in the room. Last year, he, he worked for PlayStation. He just had like a controller around his neck. I'm like, well done. Well done. I know who you are. So it's going to be a lot of fun, um, but we want to encourage you. You're going to get the invite on the way out the door. It's also on all of our social media platforms. It's going to be on our website as well, but want to encourage you 
um, to not only mark your calendars for this for yourself, but again, this is intentionally postured to empower you to invite people in your circles of influence to this evening. It's a lot of fun. There's some cool prizes. There's like a, a different categories for different like families and individuals for the prizes and the costume contests. There's you know cider for the kids and candy and then maybe a little bit of spiked cider for the adults to you know warm you up a little bit. It's gonna be awesome. So. Mark your calendars, but then also really start to pay attention to, hey, who can I invite to this just as a casual evening to get them around some people who love Jesus and love them well? There's no, no tricks, no, huh, there are treats. You see what I did there? That's, okay, anyway. It, right, it's, it, there's no agenda. It's just to love people well and expose them to the love of God through this community. So take advantage of that. Again, you're gonna get that invite. And the last thing is, oh, I don't know if I put it in there, but I'm gonna tell you, I didn't put it in there. Sorry, slide friends up there. Um, growth track is right after the service today. So we have our growth track. It happens monthly. Our part one of growth track is happening today after the service. It's our next steps class. Many of you have already signed up for it. We're glad to have you. We ordered lunch for you. It's only 30 minutes of your time. If you're new or new-ish to City Church and you've not signed up for growth track, today is a great day just to hang out from 12 to 1230. We bought lunch for you. got some drinks and we're glad to have you jump in. 30 minutes to catch the mission, vision, values, and DNA of City Church. From there, you're in invited back into part two where you learn a little bit more about how to get plugged in, all of that stuff. And so you're not signing anything, you're not married to anything by going through Growth Track, but it is how you get plugged in and connected to this community. So if you didn't sign up, here's the pitch. You can stick around. We would love to have you anyway, okay? So right after the service, just hang out. And then in our community room, it starts at 12. Everybody good with that? All right, all right, let's get into our series. So we are moving through uh, this series, Teach Us to Pray, walking through the response that Jesus had to his disciples. He said, hey, teach us to pray. The only time they asked a question in, 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 in response to a teaching from Jesus, and then he responds. And so again, we've been walking through line by line through this series through the Lord's Prayer and talking about what it looks like. What's really cool is the prayer room is structured with the exact flow of how Jesus teaches us to pray. So you're going to walk through the same flow that we've been covering for the last seven weeks. So really helpful. But today, we're going to continue in the conversation line by line. Now i got to tell you a story to kind of kick it off. As a kid, uh, I can't remember how old I was, but I remember we're at, at the store, at the grocery store. I pick up a bag of Skittles like you do when you're a kid, and we're carrying it around. I'm not sure if my parents said yes or no to me having it. I'm just carrying it, and in the process of going around the grocery store, at some point, I put it in my pocket, my back pocket, in order to carry something else, and my intention as a little kid is to bring it back out of my pocket in order to give it to the cash register person, and uh, you know, in the process of walking around the store with my parents and whatever, get all the way home, and I realize that I still have a bag of skills in my back pocket, and I'm like, oh, I stole Skittles. Like, what do I do? And I don't remember if I told my parents or not, or if I told my friends or my brother. I, can't, I told someone, and basically the answer was, it is definitely not worth going back for, <laughs> right? But I, I remember for the first time, like, like, kind of being, you know, okay, we don't steal, I got that, but I accidentally stole, I'm like, oh, I got this internal conflict going on, and so that, that's my kind of first moment of like, oh, no, I did something wrong. That I, can, I mean, I'm sure I did a lot of other stuff wrong, right? Like, like, but I just remember this like innocent moment of like, oh, no. You guys ever have any of those? Okay. And then later as a young teen, I remember um, I grew up in Texas and we, we would hunt a lot. And uh, my dad trusted me and my friends. We had this like little 22 rifle and uh, um, you know, began to just earn trust over time where he let us go and you know, shoot cans and whatever else, you know, like just 
have fun shooting things, you know, with this little 22. Um, and if you don't like guns, I'm sorry that you don't like the story, but just heads up, this is where I grew up. You, you can't, never, let's just go. All right, so uh, um, we go up on, on, on top of, of uh, this land that we, we own, and my dad's got, there's like a bunch of old cars up there. It used to be like a wrecking yard. And my dad's instructions were, hey, you guys be careful, you know all the rules, but the only thing you don't, don't do is don't shoot any of those cars up there. Got it, Dad. Not a problem. I'm a, I'm a young teen at this point. Me and my friends, and like young teens do, I'm an idiot, and uh, I um, am impressing my friends or whatever. And so we shoot a few things, and then I see this car that looks like a not important car. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh man, there's a bunch of cars up here. This one's a piece of junk. It can't possibly be one that matters. And so then I shoot it. I've never shot a car before. I don't know. So I was with me and my friends. We shoot a car. Makes a really cool bink noise and then there's a cool bullet hole and I'm like look at that looks just like the movies and so then a couple more times bing 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 I don't know four or five times and don't think anything about it move on and then later we're up there with my dad and my grandfather and and then the moment hits and my dad says did you shoot that car no and man you know (laughs) And then now looking back, I realize on an old rusty car, when it has a fresh bullet hole, guess what? You can tell. <laughs> like that's, it, you know, it's not rusty around the spots that you, you know, you can tell it's brand new and fresh. And I think my dad asked me one more time, no, I don't, I don't know what happened. My grandfather's standing right there and he's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And I hold to it, man. Uh, I don't know. That's crazy. Somebody must've been up here. Mm. And then later we get back and my dad is so mad. Like he's so mad that he can't talk to me right? You, you know that space? Um, it's either talk to, you know, it's like I, I, I'll either die or I don't die, depending on what happens. So he doesn't talk to me, and I'm, I'm as guilty as I can. I mean, I know it. It's just on me. You ever had that moment where you were, you were just, just swallowed up with, like, guilt and shame, and you know it, and you're, you know, so you're trying to keep it together. And I get back, and my grandfather has this moment, which I, I'm so grateful for. We get out of the car, and my dad is just, I mean, he can't. He can't talk to me because he knows I lied to his face, which is like, the number one breaking of a relationship, right? It's not about a rule. It's like that breaks a relationship. And so it's broken. And my my grandfather says, you know you're going to have to tell him the truth, right? And I'm like, how does he know? (laughs) Oh, no, you know? And so then I, I, you know, it it finally gets me to where I I, I work up the courage to go to my dad. I said, Dad, I'm sorry I lied to you. I shot that car. And at this point, it's been a little while, and he says, okay, thank you for telling me the truth. And instead of blowing up on me, which, which I would have deserved, um, he, he responds with love and compassion and grace while still acknowledging the consequences. So then he, he explains to me, he says, you know why I told you not to do that? Because that car that you shot, someone was going to trade me for next week, and now it's got bullet holes in the door. And I was like, well done. My judgment was really not that clear. So not, not only does he explain to me just the practical thing, which I was not owed at all, but then he proceeds to say, hey, you know there's got to be a consequence for this, right? Yeah. And, and I've had many moments like that with my dad throughout the years, but it's like, it's, you know, it's this moment when, when my actions and the guilt and shame around it, I kind of started to acknowledge how they break relationships. You guys tracking with me on that? You guys have those? We just kind of realize like what starts out as something cute when you're young, like it gets a little less cute as you get older. 
And this thing that the Bible calls sin, which is not just our actions, but it's an internal disposition of the heart, this human condition, this kind of universal brokenness that we experience, kind of a shared common denominator, it starts to work itself out and it has these cute moments maybe when you're a kid. It just gets a little less cute the older you get, doesn't it? And so I've got more and more stories later. I would come face to face with, with some addictions um, that I will, I, I won't share this morning just for the sake of some of the little ears in the room, but um, over and over again, my stuff, my brokenness got less and less cute and it brought more and more damage to myself and my relationships. You guys familiar with all this? Um, and, and I'd love to say that today, you know, oh, that's mainly in the past, but you know, like, Jesus has done a lot in my life to heal a lot of things. Today, most of the brokenness that's manifested in my life looks a lot more like impatience and anger, which might sound a little softer than maybe some of the other stuff that I struggle with, like in middle school and then high school and into college and some of the damage that that had. But quite frankly, it's a lot deeper and it's done a lot more damage over the course of my life. And so Jesus is rooting some, some deep stuff out of me. And so you might be like, oh yeah, everybody struggles with impatience and anger. You might say that until you hear the way that I might talk to my wife in a moment of frustration or the way that I raise my voice at my kids when I lose my temper. And all of a sudden, it's not so cute. And the only reason I'm sharing all of this with you is to simply remind you that as we get into the line that Jesus has for us today, I'm on the confessing side alongside you, not the absolving side. That you and I are in this together, and it kind of feels like Jesus is on this role of amazing invitation to prayer, and it's like you're on this beautiful ride on I-70 checking out the Aspens as they change colors, and then someone just brake checks you. Bam! That's where we are in the Lord's Prayer today, and you're like, what is that doing in there? You're like, ruining the vibe, Jesus. So, let's look at Matthew 6. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. So Luke's version says, forgive us of our sins as we also forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, up to this point in this series, we've been cruising along. We start with pray as you can. Wherever you are, the invitation is to begin to talk to God about anything and everything. And then it was the posture to be still and know before God. And we moved into adoration, this knowing God as Father, and then into intercession of praying for others. And last week, we looked at these daily bread prayers, this petition space of praying for your wants and needs. And we've been talking about all of that, and all of a sudden, Jesus says, and confess your sins. Forgive us of our debts or our sins. And you're like, wow. Where, where, where did that come from? And, and here's the deal. This line today is the hardest and most challenging line in the entire Lord's Prayer. It's also the most difficult to pray. And it also might be the most audacious thing in the entire prayer because it's not like this groveling space. It's just kind of, it almost feels like a demand. Do you guys see that? and forgive us of our debts. Kind of like this expectation, and oh, hey, by the way, do that too. You're like, oh man, like that's, there's a little bit of boldness in there. And, and this language, it kind of moves back and forth. Uh, the Greek word for sin that you see most often is hamartia, which like if you think about it, uh, it, I've always remembered it as like, it talks about the heart, hamartia. And so it's kind of this heart condition, more than just what our hands are doing, but it's way deeper than that. And then Luke uses a different Greek word that, that points more to this idea of indebtedness. And the very simple invitation from Jesus, he's just teaching us, hey, when we talk to God, we ask him for all these amazing things, but we also help, ask him to help us with 
our debts, to forgive us of our debts, of our sin. And I want you to imagine like what this would look like anywhere else. Like you call up your mortgage company this week and you're like, hey, yo, so um, here's the deal. Kind of, kind of are in debt a, a little more than we thought we could. You know, we're like, oh, we can't really pay anymore. Uh, we have more debt, kind of, than our ability to pay. So, you know what? If you could just go into your computer and delete our file and sign over the the lease to this place so that we can own it outright, that'd be great. That's not how that works, is it? But that's exactly the posture that Jesus is kind of assuming when we go to the Father. Hey, forgive us of our debts. No reason, just a request. And it's really interesting that Jesus has this kind of confidence for you and I as we come. And so as we talk about confession today, this is a big part. I don't want you to miss it because Jesus seems to think that it's just as normal as our daily bread prayers, as our normal request, as our intercession, as our adoration, as our worship. So mixed in with all of the other normal practices of following Jesus is this normal practice of confession. And what's amazing is the assumption here is to receive it, we need only ask. The challenge is to receive it, we must first admit that we need it. And that's the problem of the human condition. You see, for you and I, we, we can't be too broken or too far or too messed up or too much stuff in our past to receive God's grace and forgiveness. There's nothing that will keep you from that except for our pride. The only thing that keeps us from God's grace and forgiveness is asking. And so sin is kind of one of the conversations today and, and it's really controversial. It's also like universally agreed upon. Like something is broken and wrong with the world, right? Like everyone everywhere agrees with that. All you, do, all you need to do is turn on your news feed like we, t- we prayed for earlier. I mean, there is something universally broken in the world. But what we call it and what we do with it is the beginnings of zero agreement, right? The only thing people are willing to agree upon when it comes to conversations around sin is that it's a sin for you to say that anything I'm doing is wrong. <laughs> you guys with me? That's the only agreed upon place. And so while belief in God or or a higher power might still be the majority in the world around you, trust in God. Trust in God as this good God who's running the show, a God that you can know, a God who cares, a God who forgives. That's the issue. Can we trust the God running the show? And there's this desire that you and I have to have this full, free, abundant life. The question is, can I manufacture and control that myself, or do I need help? And all of us have plenty of Skittles in our pocket stories, and lying to our father's stories, and stories we hope never come to light. And probably the felt experience is when I'm running the show, while I might get it right sometimes, there's also a pretty consistent arena where I get it very wrong. And so so just to give you some simple definitions, um, sin sin can maybe be described as like good desires that are disoriented or channeled through the wrong means. It's the attempt, I, I love this definition, the attempt to meet my deepest needs by my own resources. It's an effort at control. It's not trusting God and it's trusting in myself. And then the results of that are all kinds of actions that manifest themselves, behaviors, dispositions, things that happen with our hands, our head, our heart. All of that is the fruit of an internal disposition. The Greek word hamartia literally means to miss the mark. That God has a way of ordering the world and a design for you and I and our relationships with him and others. 
And it doesn't, you don't have to look very far to see how often you miss it, right? I'm like, oh yeah, I missed the mark quite frequently this last week. So there's not really an argument for me on that. But here's the good news, and I think you need to hear this. The good news is you are loved. And the bad news is, and not, 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 not maybe in your own experiences on this planet, love. You're loved by the God who created you. No strings attached. Deeply loved and seen just as you are today. The bad news is you will probably struggle the rest of your life to believe it. And some of you are struggling simply to receive it. You see, there's this thing inside of us that constantly wants to try to drum up our own lovableness, our own self-worth, our own significance. To be able to be lovable is great, but we want to control how that happens. And that's when sin begins to, dis- like to disorient our internal selves as well as our relationship with God and others. So the good news that we're talking about is called grace, this unmerited favor and love of God that we don't earn or deserve. And the bad news that we're talking about is this sin condition that we all struggle with deeply. But listen to the words of Jesus' best and closest friend on this topic in 1 John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a promise that you can bank on. At the same time, listen to James, the brother of Jesus in James 5 here. It's quite amazing. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. It's the same Greek word that we see for salvation healing and salvation. It can be both a moment in time and a progressive process. So we see from the closest and best friend of Jesus, from John, that we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. You guys tracking with me? We see from James, the brother of Jesus, that we confess our sins to one another for healing. Isn't that interesting? That, that the things that I'm most ashamed of, the things that are in the dark in my life, when I, bring, when I bring them to someone who loves Jesus and loves me enough to look at me and carry the same grace and the same love that he has for me, I get a tangible experience of the love of God in front of me. And the things that were in the dark, they lose their hold on me because now they're in the light. And there are many things in my life that I took to friends and mentors and people who love Jesus deeply. And when that brokenness was finally brought into light, I found healing. So here's the invitation. You see, God will, God will never lower the standard of holiness. This thing, the the sin that separates us from, he doesn't lower the standard of holiness, but rather in his goodness and his grace, he created a way for us to become holy. That's what Jesus came to do. And the beautiful thing is it's not dependent on your performance and my performance and how much we have it together. I heard it said by Pete Gregg that there is more grace in God than sin in you and I. Yes. So listen to this quote by Pete Gregg. Our greatest need And God's greatest gift are the same thing. Forgiveness. It's beautiful. And it's wonderful. But sometimes it's hard to believe. And so when we talk about confession, sometimes it can get really weird. If you grew up in a Catholic church, and I'm not hating on the Catholic church at all, but like, there's just different ideas of what we're talking about here. Is this feeling really, 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 really bad about something? And then maybe God finally thinks, okay, you feel bad enough, so let's move on. 
Is this going in a private box to a dude I don't know on the other side and confessing some things and then going and partying like I normally do the next day? Or what are we talking about here? You see, when we turn to Jesus in confession, we're not turning in because of a fear of judgment. We're turning because of a confidence in rescue and being met with love. And that love is what changes us, friends. I, I think that's the biggest piece out of all this is we don't confess out of fear, but of the invitation of his incredible love. And so I, th- I think sometimes we hear confession and we're like, okay, yeah, this time you gotta really, really, really mean it, and then it's gonna work. This is an invitation from Jesus to discover God's love and in the process to let it change you and I. That's why we go in confession. One, one of the assumptions, and I don't know where you grew up, so I, I can't speak to your own understanding, but one of the assumptions is sometimes that spiritual maturity, like, like as I follow Jesus, the, the evidence is going to be that I, I need to confess less and less because there's less to confess about. But the reality is, the more I follow Jesus, the more freedom I find to confess. The easier it gets just to simply be honest about what's going on on the inside. And the longer I follow Jesus, we're going layer and layer and layer past, okay, that happened with my hands, but where was the motive? What's going on in my heart? And Jesus keeps doing the work of setting me free. You see, a church family growing in maturity is not a church without sin, and that's sometimes what you have been burned by. Someone who's ready to stand up and wag the finger and throw the rocks and shout some Bible verses at you and make you feel really bad about a thing that you did or didn't do or what, whatever it is that they want to put out there. And it's like there's this holier-than-thou kind of a space of you got to behave a certain way when in reality, a church in maturity is not a church without sin. It's a church without secrets we move into an honesty around our sin and trusting in Jesus to help us with it. Now, as, as we're talking about this, it can, it can get challenging, so I'm gonna give you a really like, easy practice this week to kind of work through this on your own. But one of the dangers in the West especially in our individualistic, social media saturated lives is we, we feel this tension to keep up appearances but I want you to know every time you do that, let's say when you get to gather in a city group, we joke sometimes, hey, you get in your city group and we talk about that verse from James 5 and so we're not like, yeah, yeah, week one, you don't have to like show up in city group and like share all your deepest, darkest stuff, right? That's not, that's not like city group week one. At the same time, the idea is that you build relationships that are close enough and deep enough and trustworthy enough that people begin to know all of you, the real you. And there's honesty and there's love and there's safety and there's forgiveness and there's healing. But when we try to keep up appearances and we show up and we act like everything's okay, what we're really saying is God's grace is not enough for that. And so confession is, is not this idea that we need to get into our hearts. It's a practice that we need to get into a rhythm of our lives. It's how we demonstrate our trust in God. If he really is full of grace, if he really is full of forgiving, if Jesus really did die on the cross for my sins to forgive it and remove it from the east, from the west, to where I am completely made right with God and I am able to now live a, a life empowered by the Spirit and in love toward you and others, if I really believe that, that I can freely come to the Father and confess. I've, I've heard the story said many times that, that sometimes, especially if, depending on your relationship you have with, with an earthly father or an absent father or whatever it looks like, is sometimes confession is this like, oh no, I did something and I, I, I've gotta hide from dad. 
But the relationship that, that God is inviting you into is the first response in your heart is, oh no, I messed up. I need to go tell dad. And I hope that as my boys learn and grow at five and seven, that their immediate knee-jerk response is, oh no, I've gotta hide this from dad. I hope it's not that. I, hurt, I hope because of the love that they experience through me, reflective of the father, I hope their first responses are, I've gotta go tell dad that I'm a safe place for them to confess. It doesn't lighten the consequence. It doesn't mean that there's not brokenness that, re- that follows as a result of their action, right? I, I, can't, I can't change that for them. But how they're received matters. And, and, and so some of us, we struggle to believe in how we're received on the other side of this prayer. What's the face of the God that you're talking to? And Jesus has a picture of God as Father we spent a lot of time on in this series. Now, confession is a practice that leads to reconciliation, both with our relationship with God and transformation internally that then starts to show up externally. So let's look at this practice called examine. And the examine is an ancient practice started by, by this guy named St. Ignatius of Loyola. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a couple thousand years old, but Uh, There's a couple different variants of it. I'm gonna give you just a very simple one with some alliteration today that helps you from Pete Gregg. So that's for you if you wanna take notes and write it down. But the idea here is the examine gives you the space daily to examine your life, to examine your day, replay it forward, and you're gonna find the opportunity to grow in this practice of confession. You guys tracking with me? All right, I got no answers, so I'm just gonna assume yes. (laughs) Um, All right, so, so. Here's the, here's the practice. Again, if, if we want to grow in this, if Jesus is like, yo, daily bread prayers and confession, if the assumption is this is just as normal a part of my rhythms and relationship with Jesus as the rest of the stuff, then I've got to have a framework for it. Listen, Danielle and I, I, we've been married for 13 years last week. Let's go. Super awesome. She still hasn't left me. Let's go. That's a win. And, and, and listen, our relationship over 13 years would not exist without a consistent opportunity to come back and say, I'm sorry. Not, not I'm sorry because I don't really love the consequences, but a genuine like, I realized that that broke the relationship and I wanna make it right. And our relationship with God, while when we trust in Jesus, he saves us, he forgives us, he sets us free completely. It's, it's an event, but we also see in the scriptures that salvation, healing is also progressive. Meaning in our relationship with God, we come back over and over again, saying, God, that's not who you want me to be. I didn't respond the way that I should have responded. I didn't, I didn't think the things that I should have been thinking there. Or sometimes, God, I don't even know why I did the thing that I did, but I know it wasn't how you wanted me to react. It's a relationship where we come back and confession is making it new over and over again. He's no less your father in the moments where the relationship is broken, but there are things to be dealt with. So, number one in this practice is to replay your day. Again, to examine your day. You guys, try, you see where the word comes from? To examine or to replay your day. And this is important. This is gonna be the practice for the week. This is also what we're gonna be doing in the prayer room, okay? So it gives you space to do that. But you replay through your day in as much detail as possible. So for me, this practice has been really valuable at the end of my day. I normally open the scriptures and I pray and do all that in the morning. But in the evening, you can either do it pen and paper, journal. You know, that's kind of like how I I like to think on paper. But you can do this while you're walking your dogs. 
You can do this right after you get your kids in bed and you finally sit in that chair before you turn on Netflix. Or, you know, I mean, you, you can do this at any point. You can do this laying down in bed right before you're actually unconscious. You have options to replay this practice. But first, you replay the day and you think through your day in as much detail as possible. And for me, I, I have to do it chronologically. I'm, I'm not very good at remembering the minute details of my day. But you kind of, you know how like you ever, you ever like been looking for something in a junk drawer in your house? You know, you're like, I know what's in here. And you're rummaging. You know what I'm talking about? You're like moving all the stuff around, taking it out. And you're like confident it's in there. That's what you're doing in this moment. You're replaying the day, rummaging through the day, looking for a couple of things. Big and small, the question you're asking is where were you, God, throughout my day? As you replay, God, where were you? Where were you when I got that text and those emotions swelled in my mind and heart? Where were you in the middle of this meeting um, that went way too long at work? <laughs> where, where were you uh, when I got home and my kids wrapped their arms around me and said that they missed me? Where were you when I had that delicious multi-berry scone from spruce and some spruce juice, right? And so you just replay your day in as much detail as possible. And you're asking, God, where were you? And then you go to rejoicing. You rejoice. You see, it's easy to think about all the things that you got wrong throughout a day, but as you begin to rummage through your day, replay through your day, you're going to find that on average there are countless things that you actually could have rejoiced over. As simple as a cup of coffee, that moment of peace before you, you walked into your next meeting, the text that you got from a friend encouraging you. Over and over again, there's moments for rejoicing. And, and what, what will probably happen is you'll find things that, to say thank you for, to be grateful for, that you didn't even know were there until you started looking. And again, you're saying, God, where were you throughout the day? And so you're finding that God was actually way more present throughout your day than maybe you even gave him credit for. It's really, really helpful, right? And again, it's small, big, good, hard, all of it. God, where were you? I heard it said recently um, that as you look, not only are you gonna come across things to rejoice over, but then naturally you're gonna come across things that are less than ideal, right? things that happened to you, things that you did, things that you're sorrowful over, things that maybe you wish would have gone a different way. And rather than asking why something happened, the question could be, God, where were you in that? I heard it this week that unwelcome circumstances are not gifts in and of themselves throughout our day, but they can contain gifts, which is what the examine is meant to help us receive. Now, it doesn't stop there because as you rummage throughout your day and you're playing, God, where were you? Where are you in all of this? Then it leads naturally to this word, repentance, which simply means to change the way that you think. So as you replay your day, you're going to have those moments of remembering where your actions or your motives or your responses or your lack of responses, they were just wrong. Like, man, that, that's not how I wanted that to go down. And this is going to be big stuff. This is going to be little stuff. This is going to be that guy that cut you off in traffic, traffic and you had some words for them and you forgot your kids were in the back seat and then... This is going to be the moment when you said something to your wife you shouldn't have, or the moment that you looked at something you shouldn't have, or the moment you didn't respond in a way that someone needed you to. Over and over again, there's stuff. And in the middle of your day, if you're like me, it's pretty easy to justify and ignore those moments. So you just like, you just roll through it in the passion of the moment. But when you get alone and you get quiet in the presence of God, it's a little harder to brush this stuff off. And again, you're just asking, God, where were you? And just like most of you, 
have a routine of regularly showering or taking a bath to keep your body clean, the practice of confession is removing the dirt off our soul. Psalm 51, you can read it on your own. We see this incredible prayer of confession and it's massively specific from David. And his, his, his prayer is, God, cleanse me. You see, without the discipline of confession, you and I will probably start to stink. <laughs> yeah. and, and the things that might be shameful in the moment, if, if we don't have this discipline worked into our lives, the things that might be shocking in the moment, all of a sudden they start to become tolerated. Habits and routines and responses and attitudes, and all of a sudden they go from tolerated to accommodated. And then we look up and we see some things normalized in our life that were never meant to be there. And habits are formed and behaviors are formed and joy is lost and anger has a deep seat in our heart. So confession is a practice to keep us clean so that our hearts don't get numb to the reality of what God is working. It makes it soft so that we can continue to receive relief and confidence in the forgiveness of God's love and the joy that comes from that. Now, I think it's important, I gotta give you this. There's this guy named Jamie Winship that um, I seem to keep like listening to him while I'm in India, like so over and over again, God keeps putting him in my ear. He's a normal dude, CIA agent, loves Jesus. And he talks a lot about listening to the voice of God. And one of the things that, he, that has just been on my heart lately that I've gotta share with you is when he talks about confession, he says, listen, confession is not like coming to God in this moment and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So that's not confession. That's not doing anything for you. He says confession is an invitation to simply tell the truth. It's truth telling. I thought, man, what a beautiful picture. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what, what good has that done you? When I went to my father, I told the truth, and the truth is what began to bring things back to light. If you want to find healing over something, I'm sorry doesn't do a lot for you, but telling the truth does. And so when I can come to God and not say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I can tell the honest truth, and listen, this is, I think, sometimes uncomfortable, because the truth might be, God, I did that because I feel like if I let go of control on this situation, things are gonna fall apart. I responded that way because I don't really trust that you're holding this together. I, I looked at those things on my phone because I don't really believe that what you have for me is gonna equal the same amount of instant gratification that I'm after. It's just truth-telling, and it might make you massively uncomfortable, but God already knows it. That's what Jamie says. He's like, yeah, I mean, you're not doing it, telling him anything he doesn't already know. The practice of truth-telling all of a sudden begins to reveal in me what's actually going on. And I have found while I was practicing this in India, I'm in a room praying for someone to be healed, and I go back and I journal, God, while I was praying, I, I don't really believe my prayers are making a difference. But it doesn't stop there, right? Confession doesn't stop there because repentance then is aligning my life with God's agenda and reality. Confession is telling the truth and repentance is simply saying, but I do 
want to trust you. This is who, I, who you say that you are. God, I know that you can heal that little boy, so help me pray in accordance with what you, who, you, who you say that you are and what, what I see that you're doing. God, I know that your promises are true, so help me. And so you just constantly realign your life with God's reality. Are you guys tracking with me? This is a way different practice than feeling really, really bad about something and hoping that it makes it better the next time so that you don't actually respond that way. If I, if I blow up in anger over and over again on my family and I say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry every time and it never changes, how much does that I, I'm sorry mean? And how much is it helping me change? But truth-telling brings to light some things with me and God that allows him to start working in a way that I've not allowed him to before. And repentance allows me to begin to align my heart with his. And so you lastly move from repentance to reboot. <laughs> that's what, Jay, that's what uh, Greg, P. Greg says, reboot. You see, there's nothing inevitable about sanctification. This process of being made more like Jesus, right? And the evidence is in all the grumpy Christians that you see that still go to church in their you know, 60s and 70s and they got zero joy and they're just mad at the world, right? You can go to church your entire life and not look any more, any more like Jesus than you did the day before, right? You guys know that, right? And so, and so becoming more like Jesus is not something that just happens to you through osmosis. It is a practice of being formed as we learn to trust in Jesus. We talk about it all the time. The invitation is not to believe better things. The invitation from Jesus is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And so we must train our hearts and our minds to rejoice always. We come back to this space of rebooting. We incline our hearts toward Jesus and his kingdom. Listen to this quote by Richard Foster. We do not have to make God willing to forgive, which some of us feel that we do. In fact, it is God who is working to make us willing to seek his forgiveness. One further note on the preparation of going into confession. There must be a definite termination point in the self-examination process. Otherwise, we so easily fall into a permanent habit of self-condemnation, which is not the point. Confession begins in sorrow, a genuine brokenness over what's going on, but it ends in joy. There is celebration in the forgiveness of sins because it results in a genuinely changed life. This is where the practice of confession ends us. This is why Jesus says this is a non-negotiable. And this is where we find life. So a couple of next steps for you. As you and I reflect and respond on today, again, the invitation, sign up for the prayer room. Sign up because I think God's gonna shift some things massively in and through our church. He's gonna do some amazing things in our city. He's gonna do some amazing things in the world. But the first effort is just to be with Jesus alone maybe for longer than you've ever been alone with Jesus focused in your entire life. And the gift waiting on the other side of that is experiencing the love and the presence of God and then partnering with him in prayer. That prayer room is going to be a gift to this community. And so sign up. Sign up more than once. Sign up five times. I'm there. I'm in it. And I'm stealing all the 1 a.m. slides, so watch out. Sierra already took all the 3 a.m. ones, so you guys, I mean, you gotta hurry. They're, they're going fast. Just for your own heart, 
especially if you don't have a normal rhythm of getting into the scriptures, I'd encourage you. Those Bibles are uh, in the seatbacks in front of you. They're a gift for you. There's journals there too. There's this SOAPS tool in the lobby for you. It's an acronym to help you read the scriptures. Read Psalm 51 this week. Just at one point in time, sit down. This is David's prayer of confession after he murdered a lady's husband and, and then, and then uh, slept with her. And there's this crazy scandal. King David, a man after God's own heart. Psalm 51 is his honest confession. And it's beautiful. And it's specific. And it's helpful. And so read Psalm 51 this week. And use that soaps tool to process it on your own. And the last thing is practice the examine. Replay. Rejoice. Repent. Reboot. God, where were you throughout my day? And as you begin to notice, you celebrate and you respond. And we're going to find things begin to shift in our own hearts and minds in our lives. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for our church. Thanks for the gathering today. Uh, Thank you, Jesus, for including this in the instructions on the Lord's Prayer, because if it was up to me, I'd probably leave it out. There's a a bunch of stuff in my heart that would love to avoid these conversations and this space with you. But you know what we need. And you love us too much to leave us where we are. So God, help us to believe what's actually true about you and about ourselves. That forgiveness is available for anyone who asks. That's quite audacious. Probably the only thing standing in the way for some of us today is our own pride. For some of us, we've been following you for a long time, but there's some things we've been holding on to, some things we just simply haven't uh, told the truth about, and maybe that's what you're putting your finger on today that we bring to you. God, would we remember who we're talking to? I need to go to Dad. For some of my friends in the room, they're not followers of you yet, and they're still trying to figure out, man, can I trust this Jesus? Is the good news really that good? Is it really that free? Is it really that available? And I pray that you make make that reality known for them today and would they choose to trust in you for the first time today and find forgiveness and reconciliation and a new life not only with you but empowered by you to live. As we respond in prayer, as we respond in worship, as we respond in communion, Jesus, would you meet us? and lead us to respond accordingly. It's in Jesus' name, amen.